0: Hello and welcome back to another episode of Locked on Spartans. It is Wednesday, October 9th, 2019. I am your host, Will Hunter. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. Full transparency, Uh, it is 5.45 p.m. here uh, on Tuesday, whatever, early evening, late afternoon. I generally record these shows... um, 10 to 11 p.m., somewhere in that range, the night before they, they get posted. So they, they get posted at 5 a.m. every morning. And I usually record late the night before and then schedule it to post. Um, tonight, my plan was to have on a guest and record a normal show and, and do the normal thing. And then I realized, not 10 minutes ago, <laughs> that I'm going to a concert tonight. And I knew I was going to a concert uh, here on Tuesday night I, I've known about this for a long time and it never occurred to me that concerts happen while I record and this one will fall into that time frame of when I'm recording so ran into my office and sat down and now here I am talking to you guys basically what I'm trying to say is I've got like one topic that I'm for sure going to talk about we'll talk about Darius Jefferson and the transfers out of Michigan State and if that means anything what it means uh, here in the first segment, but after that, I'm not sure yet, so I I throw out the bat signal on Twitter, (laughs) what do you guys want me to talk about, and uh, depending on the suggestions that I get here in the next 10 minutes, I'll probably formulate the show based on that, so usually here I tell you, oh, we're going to talk about this, we're going to talk about this, we're going to talk about this, well, we're going to talk about Ladarius Jefferson, and then after that, we're just going to wing it, baby, we're going to figure it out. Out And I'm looking forward to it. So that's the plan uh, for today's show. Not much of a plan, but it's the plan for today's show. Reminder to rate, review and subscribe to the podcast. Subscribing is the easiest way to get episodes to your phone every single morning when they go up at 5 a.m. I do them every single day. Half an hour shows dedicated to the world of Michigan State football and basketball as part of the Locked On podcast network but you all know that already let's not waste any more time actually one more thing real quick I got a, a film room piece up at Spartans Wire, SpartansWire.usatoday.com if you want to go check that out um, I would really be happy and I think you'll enjoy it, or you won't enjoy it but I think you'll find it uh, interesting and educational it's a different it's the same stuff I do pretty much every week but ESPN and ABC with that primetime broadcast they put a lot more resources into that and so we get multiple angles and uh, Kirk Herbstreet does a really good job breaking down plays in, in the replay in real time. And so some of the the gifts that I put up, <laughs> there's drawing on them from Herbstreet and uh, it, it's helpful. And so I think, you know, he does a good job and I'm, you know, pass some of that information along to you guys. And then also have a bunch of other plays. It's not the most fun thing in the world for a Michigan State fan to read, but uh, there's good information in there. And I think you'll see... Um, a pretty accurate picture of what this Michigan State team is, which is, as I've been saying all week, a good team that can't seem to find consistency because they're so busy hurting themselves with mistakes. All right, now that that's out of the way, let's talk about Ladarius Jefferson. Okay, so this news broke uh, earlier uh, on Tuesday, 3 o'clock, I think, somewhere in there, early afternoon Tuesday, that Ladarius Jefferson is the latest Michigan State Spartan to enter the transfer portal. Uh, Brandon Boyer-Randall was the first. Connor Hayward followed suit a few days later, and now Ladarius Jefferson is doing it as well. Um, I would assume that he is entering the portal without the intent of returning to Michigan State. That's something that is worth mentioning, that you can go into the portal and not leave your school. Some guys definitely did that this last uh, recruiting transfer portal, free agency, cycle, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but I don't think Jefferson, uh, based on the timing, is going to be, A, continuing to play this season and be returning. Um, I, I found the timing to be strange because he had played uh, six games already. I would have assumed that after the uh, Northwestern game before the Indiana game, like with Connor Hayward, if someone was going to be transferring and they weren't a redshirt already, or they hadn't redshirted already, that they would be done before the Indiana game because of that new redshirt rule, the new four-game redshirt rule. So, had Darius Jefferson decided this uh, a couple of weeks ago, he could have redshirted, not played against Indiana, redshirted, set out for the rest of the season, and still been a sophomore next year. Uh, instead, he has used his sophomore eligibility and will be transferring wherever he goes as a junior. And, uh, so, so, so for that reason, I found the timing to be a little strange. I'm not surprised that he left. Um, I, I would imagine, uh, he knew Hayward was going and he thought with him leaving, there might be a chance to see an uptick in snaps. Maybe that was his line of thinking. And then the Indiana game and Ohio state game, not much changed. I mean, he did see more snaps for sure, but was still limited to a handful of snaps each game. And decided that just wasn't, you know, the path for him. Kinda of saw the writing on the wall with two freshmen uh, above him on the depth chart. So he is now um done, I'm assuming for the season, out of the program, done playing football for Michigan State. And if that is the case, Michigan State, you know, is gone from a team that had a, a big group of running backs that you, you know, maybe weren't great but had uh, depth and good, versatile skill sets. You know, Hayward could catch, do some things out of the backfield, Adaris Jefferson as well, and was a bigger guy. Third down, sure, um, short yardage, goal line type situations he could play in to go with Collins and Williams. And now they're left with, you know, a redshirt freshman in Eli Collins, who's done a really good job so far, a true freshman in Anthony Williams, who shows potential but seems to be still getting used to the speed of the college game. And is still sort of finding his way. And then behind those two is Brandon Wright, a true freshman who hasn't played yet. He's dressed a couple times. Um, I think he traveled for the first time to Ohio State uh, but hasn't seen a snap yet. And then you've got um, Thomas, the uh, the, uh, the, the, the uh, what is he junior right yeah walk on former walk on junior played at Saginaw Valley and then transferred to Michigan State and walked on and had that touchdown. Uh, at the end of the Western game, and then you've also got on the roster to consider Weston Bridges, who just switched from running back to receiver this past offseason. So it's now, uh, I would say, a a pretty thin group back there, and you're you're comfortable and confident in in Collins for sure. Anthony Williams, I still believe in the talent and will be able to sort of figure things out, but an injury to either one of those guys uh, is going to make things really interesting, not in a good way. Brandon Wright could certainly be in line to see his first game action this week. Um, So depth now is somewhat of a concern. But again, Connor Hayward and Ladarius Jefferson were not seeing a ton of snaps for a reason. They had their jobs kind of taken from them by younger players. And that's, unfortunately for those guys, what happens in college football a lot. It happens... Every single year at every program across the country, guys get beat out for jobs by younger more talented players and uh that's why you know the transfer market has kind of been what it was because guys lose out on these jobs and they want to go play somewhere else uh and that's you know good for them that I hope they both end up somewhere where they can play and, and do a good job um so I don't think there's any sort of concern of like, oh, people keep transferring. Something's wrong. Uh, everyone, nobody wants to play for D'Antonio. It's three guys who all lost their jobs to younger players, uh, who all had a younger player in way, in their way uh, for an immediate increase in playing time. And that's just an untenable situation. And unless someone is going to be like, you know what? My football career is ending right here. And it's tough to sort of have that look in the mirror moment. Um, Damian Terry did it. I remember him reading an interview with him his senior year. He's like, yeah, you know, you just kind of hit a point and You're like, all right, this is where I fit in in the entire football world. I've sort of, I realized my place. And I think he was like a junior, maybe even a, or like a redshirt junior had been there for four years when he sort of came to that realization um, and wanted to finish out his career and get as much school done as he could while at Michigan state. And not every, I think that's rare a guy having that sort of moment of realization and be like, all right, my playing career is going to be done as soon as I'm done here in college. Um, It's hard to sort of give up that dream. And so I don't begrudge anyone for looking for an opportunity elsewhere. Um, But I don't think it's any major reason for concern because it is more talented, younger players taking over jobs. And like I said, that happens all over the place. The only slight concern is now you're left with a little bit of um, a depth concern, like I said, at the running back spot. But if if Brandon Wright plays a little bit and is a good player, then you're totally fine. Then you've got three capable running backs again, and you're not worried um, about those depth issues. And, you know, having three, if you have an effective running game, that is spearheaded by three freshmen running backs like that kind of bodes well for the future. You know, it feels a little bit like a situation when you had a young Le'Veon Bell, young Larry Caper, young uh, Edwin Baker, and it was just sort of like, all right, well, somebody's going to figure this out and be the guy. And you ended up with kind of differing levels of success, obviously, but Um, a running game that was sustained over the next handful of years by a young group kind of emerging together. And that could be what happens here with these guys, you know, and and I think Elijah Collins has certainly done enough to show that for the next, like the remainder remainder of this season and at least going through next season, like he's going to be the guy here and he's going to keep getting better and, and be a good running back for Michigan state. So I'm not overly worried about the transfers. Um, You know, I would start to get worried if uh, a a freshman transferred um, after being here for a year, or a sophomore who looked to be in line for a chance to start next season transferred um, for for a reason that didn't really make a ton of sense. Then you could start to say like, okay, is something going on here? But when it's older players leaving because a younger player took their job. That's just kind of what happens in uh, major college football. All right, we will take a break just for a minute here. uh, And when we get back, I will have checked the internet and found something else uh, to talk about. So it's going to be a mystery and a surprise. Stay tuned. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime. Let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF100 at the Vivid Seats app. Get a discount of up to $100. All right, welcome back to Lockdown Spartan. So, I got a couple questions here from l- readers, listeners, whatever, about the offense. Um, someone says, "Looks like the offense has given up on themselves, even the defense hasn't given up on them." Someone asks, "How close is the offense to actually being top fifty and borderline good?" So, right now, the offense is fifty-six in SP plus, which is uh, pretty close to uh, to top fifty, and that is. Including the Ohio State game, the, these ranks were updated Sunday. So even after the Ohio State game, the offense is 56 in SP Plus, which is essentially means they're the 56. Moving forward, they project to be the 56th best team based on how good they are at moving the football and how good they are at preventing losses. So there's 130 teams in Division One um, A. I get not one A. Division One FBS. Yeah, FBS. <laughs> God. This FCS FBS crap. Um 130 teams in FBS, so they're 56, 65 is average. I'm just doing some math there. Um, so they're above average, empirically, in terms of that. They are uh decently well positioned in terms of yards per play. They uh they fell a little bit there this last week, um, to fifty or sixty-fourth. They were I think like 58 or 56, somewhere in the fifties there. Uh, and fell a little bit because they had 4.2 against Ohio State, which is not a a great number. But they're still uh, right around NCAA average in yards per play. Um, I don't think the idea that the offense has given up on themselves is at all accurate or a fair uh, assessment. Um, I think schematically they're doing a lot of things well. Um, Eli Collins ran for over five yards against Ohio State per carry. Lewerke had uh, once you take out sacks over five I think five point I think they both had 5.25 yards per carry uh, against Ohio State once you uh, pull out sacks and Lewerke's were all designed runs um, inverted veers keepers on the option game Um, so a lot of the base stuff they're running there is is working well they had a really couple of nice inside zone plays couple nice counter plays um, some really good looking designs in terms of Inverted veer fakes with inside zone reads and then RPO tags like just different ways that I you know week two this is going back to I talked about or week one even how they had this sort of base level offense and they would start adding wrinkles to these plays building things off of them to give a more diverse run game built off of like the same principles the running inside zone the running outside zone. Which is mostly what they're doing. And then, you know, you counter off it, you add different wrinkles. And so they've been doing a good job with that, and they were pretty successful in those plays with Ohio State. The problem was they just got down so much that they weren't able to continue running the ball. And when they were down, Ohio State in the second half was able to just tee off uh, on the pass rush. And that is the biggest mismatch of that game was Ohio State's pass rush against Michigan State's pass blocking. Um, Michigan State did a pretty good job in the, in the run blocking itself. It's just sack yardage, skews everything because college football doesn't know how to keep stats. So um, schematically, they're doing some good things. Uh, I thought route designs were good. Guys were open. Um, three or four in the first half, there were three or four drop or four drop passes in the first half that would have led to first downs. Um, and then there was the missed touchdown from Lewerke to Cody White. It's not a huge stretch to ask the receivers to catch the ball consistently, and it's not a huge stretch to ask Brian Lewerke to make a throw that he can make with his eyes closed while falling asleep. Um, now, you can't just give them credit for that, like, well, they'll make the play next time, because it's not week one or week two, it's week six, and so there's just going to be mistakes sort of with this offense. Um, but I would sort of peg them as a mistake-prone offense that has the capability to be good within a a specific game. And they were doing all this against, I think the number three defense in SP plus Ohio state is one of the best defenses in the country so far this season. It projects to be one of the best in the country this entire season. And so while they didn't move the ball great, uh, they certainly did things well enough. And again, I can't emphasize this enough. Like when you want to, evaluate the entirety of what an offense is, what they're trying to do and what they're doing, how they're going about doing it. If you just simply look at the number of points they score, like you're never going to get a clear picture because it takes away so much of the context of the discussion you're trying to have. And while ultimately the score is the bottom line, right? You gotta, you gotta score points. Um, sometimes just looking at results, um, skews the the actual information it's still like they scored 31 on northwestern two weeks ago and you're like yeah northwestern sucks well wisconsin and their great offense only scored in the mid-20s on northwestern and they had a defensive touchdown and nebraska and their supposed high-powered offense only scored 17 on northwestern so northwestern is one of the top 15 or so defenses in the country right now by sp plus and you put 31 on them in their place uh by playing a half of good football that's a pretty damn good offensive performance. Indiana's got a pretty good defense, too. And you put up 30, what, four? Should have been 38 had the working not slid down at the one or let himself get hit at the one. Um, so there have been really good offensive performances. The fact that they were really sloppy and didn't light up one of the best defenses in the country doesn't mean they're a bad offense, doesn't mean they've given up on themselves. It just means they're not uh, consistent great offense that's what is separating them from being a really good offense is just consistently making the plays that we see them make here and there Brian Lewerke makes some big time throws and is playing for the most part really good quarterback uh but then he misses an easy touchdown the run or the the linemen have for the most part done a good job in the blocking game in the inside zone and zone read and and created creases and done a pretty decent job there um held up okay at, at times in pass protection but this game they got behind and they got absolutely wallops in pass protection. Like that's what happens when you just aren't great. You're just, you're pretty good. Running back, same thing. The receivers, sometimes they make huge plays and do awesome stuff. Same with the tight ends. Sometimes they drop the ball and miss blocks. That's that's what it is. You've got uh, an inconsistent offense that's mistake prone, that is capable of making really great plays. And I think that's just kind of going to be what it is. And when it's all said and done, I think they end up, and I've said this over and over and over again, somewhere between the 40th and 50th best offense in college football. Now with some good fortune and a defense that is finishing in the top five and good special teams, that's enough to carry you to double-digit wins. They've had bad special teams, and the uh, the defense has been good, but not as good as they've needed to be to sort of get over the hump in these things. Now, all of this is important to... Take to the context of uh, they just played Ohio State, one of the best teams in the country. That matters. And, yes, they're playing Wisconsin, who's a really good team. They are a significant step down from Ohio State, and they match up much better for Michigan State. Penn State is a significant step down from Ohio State, and they match up better for Michigan State. Michigan, the exact same thing. So, while well, this last weekend was really tough, um, scoring 10 points on offense is never a a fun thing to have your team do. They're still the same offense. Two weeks ago, they put up 31 on a really good defense. Last week, they put up 34 on a pretty good defense. This week, they only got 10 on an elite defense. Next week, they could very easily get 24 on a very good defense. Like That's just kind of the offense you're dealing with. And if they were consistently scoring in the mid-30s, even against elite defenses, they would be a top-10 offense. michigans they would be the 2014 offense. Like, that's what it is. Um, They're just not that. And it's because they make some mistakes here and there. They're prone to mistakes. They're prone to missed blocks. They're prone to drop passes. That's just what they are. They're a pretty good offense. Somewhere between the 40th and 50th best offense in the country. They're not the laughing stock they were last year. If you think they are, I don't know what I can do to tell you any more than I've done through the first month and a half this season that that's just incorrect. It's factually wrong, empirically incorrect um, and just nowhere near the truth. So no one's given up on the offense. <laughs> the offense is not great, but they're fine. They are what they are. They're a pretty good offense. And the defense plays really well and the special teams can figure things out that's going to be enough to stay in every single game they have left on the schedule and it will be enough to win some of the games most of the games left on their schedule all right I'm going to break there for just a second when we get back I'm going to go back to Twitter and find something else to talk about another mystery so stay put and we'll do that here in just a minute all right, welcome back to segment three of today's Locked on Spartans. So i got someone here asking about X's and O's best option to win Saturday. I'll do that Friday. That's going to be more of um, maybe Thursday show, maybe tomorrow. I don't know. But I'll definitely hit that sort of stuff before the end of the week. Another question about how Brandon Wright might best be used. Um, not really sure, honestly. I think that's something that we haven't seen him uh, at all. And you got to imagine that's for a reason. Um, I like the uh, what he's in theory brings to the, the team. He's a big, really big kid. Um, Going to be like a powerful between the tacklers type runner. Maybe they can work him in into some short yardage situations. Um, I think Eli can do fine in that stuff. He's big enough, but Brandon Wright I think outweighs him by like fifteen pounds or so. And if that's something he's shown the ability to do in practice, that could be a spot they use him and again, you know, he's a freshman, he's getting those types of reps in practice. The importance of his reps are gonna increase now, so we might not see him right away, but in a couple weeks maybe they feel he's ready. You can't throw a guy out there. Well, you shouldn't, people do it, like if he can't Pass protect. Um, if you're just gonna run him, because that's gonna signify to the defense, hey, this guy's on the field, they're just gonna run. Um, maybe you can do that once or twice here or there, but I don't, you know, foresee any sort of increased role with him unless he's made strides that kind of force their hand. And you gotta consider that we are six games into the season now. You got six more left in the regular season plus a bowl game, um, so that's seven games. Do you really want to burn his red shirt? Uh, for this run. If, if they need to, they will, because they're bringing in um, running backs in this year's class and they just had a scholarship open up that I'm sure they will use to add an additional running back to either the 2020 class or the 2021 class. Um, so, you know, more recruits coming in to sort of fill that additional depth and you don't have to necessarily worry about the red shirt. But if you um, have that concern with Brandon Wright's redshirt it's something to keep in mind um I don't think at this point in the season they're going to throw him out there unless he is really ready to go and we already knew Anthony Williams Jr. was not going to keep his redshirt um I think he's just played in four I'm not sure if I don't remember if he played in the western game honestly um either way he's not redshirting we knew that I would still think Brandon Wright might redshirt and you can use Anthony Williams as a third down back and Eli Collins can uh, increase his snap total, just a slight tick to take some of those snaps as well. Um, the other thing here that I want to talk about is uh, from Matt. And Matt always sends me the best questions and the best suggestions. I want everyone to be more like Matt. Um, he says, in all caps, Connor Cook is being positioned to be the poster boy of the NF- or the XFL. I noticed this too, <laughs> being that he was like, so the XFL... Un- unleashed their list of draft prospects for this inaugural class. And basically they invited a bunch of people, whoever sent back the application filled out in you're in the draft class. You are you are eligible for the draft. And they sent out a huge list of players on their social media. And on the very first page, um, there's a, a player blown up in huge, just a picture of a player next to all the listed names. And it was Connor Cook <laughs> and like, like, okay, Connor Cook poster boy. And then later, um, there was a video that was like put together and released. I didn't watch through it, but it was just like Connor cook just wants a chance to play ball, something like that. And it was a sit down interview with Connor cook and some highlights from Michigan state. And I'm sure the NFL, um, Oh, hell yeah. I'm all in on the XFL if Connor cook is the poster boy for the league. Like if Connor, if it's number one, overall pick Connor cook in the XFL draft, I'm all in. And I have no idea if that's the case. I, quickly browse through the list and it's kind of a lot of names that you're like, oh yeah, that guy. Um, we'll see. I'm not like, <laughs> I guess Connor Cook played in the NFL for a minute and was a fourth round pick and started a playoff game and then quickly was out of the league a couple years later. And so in that respect, he's one of the more promising XFL prospects. Um, but we'll see if he ends up being like a first round pick first overall pick the I mean he's got to be like compared to the other players on that list and how they're promoting him out I mean I guess he's one of the more famous ones because of his college career and people are like oh yeah I remember him he had you know the the Rose Bowl and, and whatever in and the the Big Ten championship game where he didn't shake um oh whose hand was it Archie Griffin's hand <laughs> that honestly might be the thing he's most famous for. Um, but yeah, I'm all in. If Connor Cook uh, is playing in the XFL, is the poster boy for the XFL, is the the guy leading the league, leading the charge, um, I might actually consider watching the XFL a little bit. We'll see. There's a couple other Michigan State guys. Uh, Keith Mumphrey, Miguel Machado, and Curtis Drummond were the ones that I saw on the list. And then LJ Scott got invited too. Uh, I don't know if he just hasn't sent in his application or accepted the invitation or what. He wasn't on the first group of guys uh, there, so we'll you know look out for that and root for him if he uh, jumps into the XFL pool there. But yeah, Connor Cook as the poster boy for the XFL was not something I was expecting, but I am all in on it now that I've seen it. All right, that's going to do it for today's show. Um, sorry it was kind of haphazard and strewn together like this, but... We got it done. Thanks so much to everyone for the suggestions. Uh, tomorrow, I think Matt Hapner is going to be on. I gotta send him a message, and we will start talking about Wisconsin and what type of team they are, and what Michigan State can do to uh, to beat the Badgers. Because um, I think Wisconsin's a little bit better than Michigan State, but I don't think they're that much better. Um, few points, five points better, something like that, a negligible amount. It's in Wisconsin. That's tough for sure. That's a really hard place to go and play, but Michigan State has had some success there, and I think they match up well. So, you know, a team that is not significantly more talented than them, but is is certainly playing better football than them, it's an interesting spot because maybe Michigan State can uh, slow down that run game a little bit and get things cleaned up a little bit more in offense, string together four drives instead of two, or I guess three, Um and get a, get a win uh, out of Wisconsin and sort of turn around this bad feeling that's going on in the program right now. So we'll do that on tomorrow's show. Thanks so much for listening. A reminder to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. You can find this podcast wherever you get podcasts. Do it every single day. 5 a.m. they go up. Half an hour show dedicated to the world of Spartan athletics. All right. Thanks so much for listening today. We will see you tomorrow.